Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Back to Chris. This is the other side of the glass. (laughs) (laughs) On Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Halfway home with you on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Chris Thomas hanging out with you until 7 o'clock this evening. Hawks basketball coming your way. Then they are taking on the Cavaliers after another dramatic win versus Miami. And they're looking pretty good right now. We had a conversation with our buddy Caleb Johnson last hour, and he was optimistic about the state of the franchise after I feel like it's so funny. Every time I talk to Caleb, it's it always it's not because of the Hawks always having bad news around them. It just happens to work out that whenever I talk to Caleb, there seems to be something negative going on with the Hawks. So today we had a really positive conversation about the team and where they are right now and what they could potentially do with the trade deadline a couple of weeks away. So go check that out on the Odyssey app if you missed it. Something we have not gotten to talk about at all today because it's been all Falcons all the time, as it should be with the Belichick, Harbaugh, Vrabel news, is college football. There was massive moves going on this week with the transfer portal, NIL, coaching hires, firings, maneuverings. So we got to bring in the best in the biz, our buddy Connor Riley from Dog Nation, to come in and settle it all for us. Connor, appreciate the time on a Saturday. How are you? Yeah, glad to be on with you, Chris. Yeah, all right, Connor. Let's start with... Bama, because there was a lot of, let's use the word, turnover, maybe turmoil, upheaval going on. They lost their best defensive back. They lost their top tackle. They lost their top quarterback recruit. So what is the state of the game right now in Tuscaloosa as we sit here today? Yeah, I I think when you lose players like Caleb Downs, Caden Proctor, Isaiah Bond, guys who are going to be the top players at their respective positions next year, I think it's natural to look at those spots in this team with a curious eye. I I think the Jalen, Julian saying rather news, is the most interesting. They bring in a quarterback from the transfer portal, Austin Mack from Washington, a guy uh, that Kalen DeBoer had previously scouted clearly very high on, and, and DeBoer, quite frankly, should have known or probably knew that if you bring in a guy in Austin Mack who's on a similar timeline has four years of eligibility remaining, if you bring in a guy like him, you're probably saying goodbye to a guy like Julian Sane, who's the number one quarterback prospect in this 2024 recruiting cycle. So I think unlike the, the losses of Downs and Proctor and Bond, 
I think those moves in particular is signal, you know, those guys came to Alabama to play for Stan, for for Nick Saban. Whereas I think now we're at a point where maybe Kalen DeBoer is stabilizing that roster a little bit. He's gotten some big names to commit to coming back. Uh, DeAndre Lawson, Tyler Booker, um, uh, Jihad Campbell at the middle linebacker position. They've gotten some guys to come back. It's still going to be a talented team next year, but there are specific spots, I think a wide receiver and defensive back, where Alabama is just not where it will have been in recent years, and it's going to be a lot on DeBoer to go ahead and make and coach that team to be better than perhaps the talent indicates that it has been, which Alabama has not operated at a talent deficit when it comes to, you know, where they're lining up against since probably 2007. Outside of Tuscaloosa where your expectations are going to be what they are because they're used to a standard there as is a bulldog nation here in Georgia what do you think is a realistic expectation for Alabama next season in terms of where they finish in the conference and the overall playoff standings? Yeah, I think realistic is still, like, if you make the playoff, that is now a good season as opposed to the expectation. Uh, should they make the playoff? Probably so. It'll depend on their schedule and how it, how it bears out there. They do have a tough play. They have Georgia coming there. They go to Oklahoma and then host Auburn to end the season. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if they miss the playoff. It wouldn't surprise me if they find a way to make it. I don't think that this is a team that is going to win a national championship next year. And obviously they can grow and get better and prove that along the way. But as we sit here in early February, I just don't know if they have the talent with what they've lost via the transfer portal to be one of those front running teams. Conversely, you look at what Georgia and Ohio state have brought in. I think those two teams, and if you want to lump Oregon and Texas in there as well, you can are the teams that are sort of the front runners going into next year. Whereas Alabama it's, you know, I don't necessarily know if it is a rebuilding year or a reloading year, but it is a team where you thought maybe that next year would be a year where they can win the national championship once again. I don't think that's the case with some of the losses they've had via the transfer portal so far. Talking all things college ball with our buddy Connor Riley of Dog Nation. Make sure you check him out there and listen to him every Monday on Dukes and Bell. All right, Connor, so why did Downs go to Ohio State over coming home to Georgia in your best guess? There are a lot of Georgia fans would love to know the real answer to this. I think it's important to note in the 2020 recruiting class, Georgia did not recruit Caleb Downs' brother all that seriously, Josh Downs. Josh Downs is a fantastic player, had a great career at North Carolina, had a very productive season with the Indianapolis Colts. Georgia, quite frankly, just did not do a good enough job recruiting him out of North Gwinnett. I think the Downs family has a long memory with that. I also think that Ohio State offered a very aggressive NAL package. I know there were a lot of people that were puzzled this week when Ohio State announced it was hiring Ross Bjork to be the athletic director at Ohio State. Uh, He's not exactly had a great tenure there for Texas A&M. You see what happened with Jimbo Fisher. But I think the one thing to keep in mind, Ross Bjork is great unassailably in terms of getting money aligned and getting money into the right places for a while, Ohio state, in my opinion, has been lagging in the NIL business. And I think with some of the moves that you've seen them make this off season so far, obviously landing Caleb downs, but also Quinshawn Junkins, making sure to secure the commitment of the number one overall player in the class, Jeremiah Smith, they are getting their money in order to really go all in and find out if this is the year that Ryan day is the coach capable of winning a national championship and at the end of it, too, you know, and Downs in his comments since then have sort of reflected this. I think Ohio State needed a player like Downs a lot more than necessarily Georgia did. Georgia's still going to have Malachi Starks. 
They're still going to have, you know, five-star K.J. Bolden. They have a lot of talented players, Janelle Aguero, Ja'Cory Thomas there as well. Georgia was going to be fine with or without Caleb Downs. That doesn't dissuade this or make this any less of a loss. It's someone Georgia clearly thought that they were getting and really very much wanted. I'll be interested in seeing how they go forward with this, but this is a huge win for Ohio State. And while Georgia, I do believe, is going to be okay, it is still a miss on the recruiting trail to go this effusively in for a guy like Caleb Downs and then ultimately not land a player that, other than Caleb Williams, is probably the best individual player to go in the transfer portal since it has sort of become this modern iteration of what it is. Well, we saw one win for Georgia Connor, and that's in the coaching rankings as uh, Tavares Robinson is going to join the staff. What is his impact going to be, and what does it mean for Will Muschamp taking sort of a more backseat role in the organization? Yeah, I think we, there were a lot of people, especially in the aftermath of Downs, who was like, oh, well, why do you bring this guy in if you know he can't land Caleb Downs from Alabama? Tavares Robinson is one of the best recruiters in all of college football right now. I think this is still a, a massive win for Georgia, not only to pull him from Alabama, where I believe his recruiting chops absolutely would have helped Kalen DeBoer, but it, you know, it gives Georgia, which already had the best recruiting staff in the country in my mind, another ace recruiter, a guy that has recruited the South incredibly well, recruited the defensive back position incredibly well, and is absolutely going to help this team. I, I think with Will Muschamp, and you see this is pretty clearly, this is a guy who is maybe looking to do a little bit less He's already done a lot in his coaching career, has been a head coach at South Carolina and Florida, has been the defensive coordinator at places like Auburn, was a co-DC at Georgia this past year. And I think you saw on the sidelines of the Orange Bowl when his son Jackson has that big run. Will Muschamp is really looking forward, I think, to being around his family a good bit more. I think he came to Georgia with the idea that he was going to be an analyst and not be so quite as involved in the day-to-day operations of this Georgia football machine. Obviously gets promoted in his first year to an on-field role to help out. And I think going forward, in the event that he needs to move into an on-field role, he can. But I think that he's very content to be in an analyst role still moving forward with Georgia and the impact that he's already had with Georgia and the impact he will continue to have. That Georgia was able to keep him involved in college football coaching altogether, I still think is a win for this program moving forward. Talking all things college football with our buddy Connor Riley here. Follow him on Twitter and check out his work at Dog Nation. Chris Thomas with you for another two hours here on Sports Radio 92.9. The game Hawks basketball comes your way then. All right, Connor, agree or disagree? This time next year, Georgia will have to find a replacement for Glenn Schumann. That is a very, very good question. Uh, one, I don't know how many, how many in the audience know this, this time next year, January 20th, it'll be a Monday. That is the date of the national championship game next year. So to answer your question literally, I don't think Georgia is going to be looking for a new defensive coordinator because I think they're going to be playing in a national championship game this time next year. Uh, I don't think personally that Glenn Schumann had the year that I think a lot of people envisioned him having. I don't think this defense was necessarily up to the standard of where Georgia's defenses had been in your past. I think you can point to somewhat personnel in that regard, but I also think you can look at the Alabama game and the way they elected to attack or rather not Jalen Milrow and then see what Michigan did and sort of wonder why wasn't Georgia's defense better in that game. And so I think moving forward and going in this year where I think the defense is going to be better, I think bringing back guys like Nasdaq, House of Warren Brinson is significant. They have a very good front seven. And you still love what they have in the secondary. I'm interested in seeing what sort of personality this defense takes on. It was traditionally very aggressive under Dan Lanning. We'll see if Georgia elects to do that once again in 2024 and sort of what personality this defense takes on because – more so than I think any other year that he's been at Georgia, this defense is going to have to take on the personality of Glenn Schumann, given Will Muschamp is obviously stepping back into an analyst role. It's Tavares Robinson's first year. 
here as the co-DC and safeties coach. For all intents and purposes, obviously Kirby Smart is still quite involved with his defense. This is going to be the most Glenn Schumann defense that we've seen at the University of Georgia, and I think it's a real chance for him to make a statement as potentially one of the best coaches in the country, which a lot of people have thought he was on track to be during his time and rise at the University of Georgia. All right, Connor. So I don't put much stock in preseason rankings or polls, but something caught my eye as I was listening to our radio station um, a couple hours ago before I jumped on. There was a another outlet that put out an SEC early, you know, preseason, way too early rankings list. And they had LSU number one over Georgia. I'm trying to wrap my mind around the justification for that. What could you see being the reason Georgia isn't number one? And why would LSU be the one that's above them? I'll be honest, I don't get the... Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. LSU eyeball that much. I, I know that, you know, their defense was awful last year and it can't quite possibly be worse this year, but they have a whole new defensive staff there. And you look at some of the personnel that they've lost. Jane Daniels is going to be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. I know a lot of Atlanta fans want him to land at number eight, quite frankly. I don't think he makes it past the Patriots at number three. They lose their top two receivers in Brian Thomas and Malik Neighbors. And it is going to be, a, you know, a, 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 I think next year is maybe a growing pains year for LSU where the next year they have the defense intact for a full year. You have a full year of starting ability for Garrett Nussmeyer. I know their schedule is perhaps a little bit easier than Georgia's, but I don't quite frankly see that. I think Georgia and Texas are the top two teams in the SEC next season. I think they're two of the top four teams in the sport. I would have Georgia at number one just based on recent history and the way that they have functioned in years past, whereas you look at Texas, they obviously return a lot of talent. They bring back quarterback Quinn Ewers. Most of that offensive line is intact. They lose their top two wide receivers, where if you look at teams that have regressed in years past, receiver production is a big indicator of teams that either make a leap forward or take a step back. And then you look at what Texas is losing on the defensive line as well. I think it's going to make things tough for them in that first year to be the best team in the SEC, but I still like the talent that Steve Sarkeesian overall has. You know, LSU, I think it's maybe purely looking at the schedule and comparing that to Georgia. I think Georgia's got the toughest road slate in the country next year at Kentucky, at Alabama, at Texas. At Ole Miss, they play Florida and Jacksonville, obviously. And so I think it'll be really interesting going into next year how much the schedule dictates how we view Georgia. But, I mean, this Georgia team, with what they bring back, they're still going to be loaded on the lines of scrimmage. Carson Beck's one of, if not the best quarterbacks in the country coming back next season. I would still have Georgia at number one until proven otherwise. You know, they won, I think, going back at least 36 straight regular season games. And you'd have to go back to Florida 2020 
uh, the last time they lost a regular season game. So I think Georgia, in my mind, is still the number one team. But obviously, I understand the bias that exists there, given that I just happen to see them a lot more than I see the LSU's, Texas's, Alabama's of the world. Last one, Connor. Going back to that same list, uh, Missouri was also, I believe, in the top four. Um, do you believe that last year was more of a fluke, or do you think that's something that Eli Drinkwitz can sustain into next season? I, I think it's a mixture of the fact that there is some sustainable aspects to that. Obviously, losing the defensive coordinator, Blake Baker, to LSU is significant in my mind, but you bring back quarterback Brady Cook, you bring back star wide receiver Luther Burden. I think that was the strength of this game. Obviously, they have to replace running back Cody Schrader, but I think they're going to be able to do that. Uh, the other thing that factors into this, too, I think if you're looking at teams that aren't those traditional SEC monsters, Georgia, Alabama, I, I'd be willing to throw LSU in there. Missouri and Ole Miss are the teams that jump out as, hey, they have relatively weak SEC schedules next year, and because of that, they may be able to take advantage. And I'm not necessarily saying they're going to go outright and win the SEC, but they may be able to find themselves in the advantageous spot of ending the season with an 11-1 or a 10-2 record. And if you do that in this conference, I think there's a very real scenario where you end up making the college football playoffs simply on the back of how strong the SEC in general is. So I think Missouri and Ole Miss are sort of two teams to watch out for next year where, and yes, I understand both those teams would have made a 12-team playoff this year, and obviously the success of both of them winning their bowl games in rather dominant fashion. I think those are two teams to watch going into next year. If they're able to sustain it, especially with the schedule that they have, I think that's going to be very significant for those teams as they try to make the playoff push and move into a new tier in the SEC that they haven't, you know, all that routinely lived in. Connor Riley, once again, check him out on Instagram, Twitter at K Connor Riley and at Dog Nation. And uh, Connor, we'll talk to you in a couple of days on Dukes and Bell. Appreciate the time as always. Yep, thanks a lot, Chris. All right, Connor Riley there, our buddy from Dog Nation. Always great stuff. One of the best covering the dogs in the entire country. All right, when we get back. You know what time it is. Come on, man. We haven't done a producer six-pack yet. You know it's coming. You just don't know when it's going to be. So my man Dom C is going to crank up four sports questions for yours truly and then two questions of any kind. Usually I've thrown in some shenanigans at this point during the show, like about my dating life or lack thereof, about movies and TV shows or something that's grinding my gears. I introduced Dom, by the way, I introduced a new segment that I'm going to be doing when I fill in during the week, it's called Turtles Troubles, and I think it went pretty well, so I'll share that with you when we get back. The Producer Six Pack, my favorite segment, and yours coming up, and then we'll dive back in to the Falcons because, duh. Don't go anywhere. Sports Radio, 929 The Game, Odyssey app. to Chris with more of the other side of the glass with Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Good game going on in Baltimore right now. 10-3 Ravens on top. Lamar Jackson a little tutty to get his team in front. It was tied 3-3. Keep you posted on that as we go along. Um... I was guessing if the game would be over by the time I get off the air, no shot. Because I thought the game started at 4, but it started at like 4.20. So, yeah, there's no way. Um, would have been nice, though. But uh, that's all right. I'll listen to the rest of it on my walk home. Um, Falcons have completed another interview. I will tell you with who 
and my reaction to it coming up at 540. So there's a little, uh, as they call that, um, uh, tease in the industry. Um, but right now, we got to get to a producer six-pack. Time for the producer six-pack on the other side of the glass. Six questions. Six questions. Six chances to produce greatness. On Sports Radio 92.9, the game. All righty. So we've got a couple questions here for you today. One, Chris Turtle Thomas. First question, we've talked a lot of Falcons today. I do want to talk a little bit of Hawks. My first question, however... DeJounte Murray, obviously, playing very well as of recently, most recently since the trade rumors came out. Indeed. Uh, Back-to-back game winners. Um, My question to you, if you are the Hawks, are you looking at this as DeJounte Murray is raising his trade value or proving he should stay? It's funny. That's kind of like the question I asked to Caleb Johnson. Like, is DeJounte Murray doing this to spite the Hawks? Or is (laughs) he doing it to say, hey, what are you doing thinking about trading me? Um, I don't believe there are coincidences that are that big in life that are not, not coincidences. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't want to say trade them because then you're admitting defeat. Yeah. Like that's, then you might as well just, I mean, tank a Rooney. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's really what you're looking at at that point. Um, these next, like. Four or five games leading up into the trade deadline are going to be really like incredibly important. If you go like three and one or four and one in your next five games, you could be looking to add. Yeah, I mean, because that by that point you'll be probably much closer to like the eighth seed than you are the eleventh seed right now, where you're ten sandwiched in the middle between those two. So. I'm going to say DeJounte Murray is fueling the fire for his own personal affect and gain Mm -hmm. as opposed to saying, yo, Miami Heat, over here, hey, hey, buddy, look at me, two game winners in a (laughs) row, you know, come get me. I think it's more of a personal pride thing about hearing the noise and, you know, reminding everyone that he was an all-star player just a couple of years ago. Okay, all right, all right, fair enough. My question next. Bueller? Oh, no. Oh, my gosh, my, my, it doesn't want to work for me. Hold on. Oh, no. There, there it we is. Go. Okay, all righty, all righty, all righty. Can't move forward without it. Next question. Now, we talked about this earlier. Obviously, uh, you don't feel like LSU is the big bad in the SEC. Uh, I think many people agree. Uh, outside of that one publication, uh, that UGA is probably the favorite for the SEC this year. My question to you is, now with Bama gone, well, not gone, but with Nick Saban gone, who's the biggest threat to UGA in the SEC? Good question. Um, I think Ole Miss is going to be pretty good this year. Uh, Jackson Dart's coming back. I think, see, I'm not sure about Texas. Because I'm not sure if their defense is going to be able to mm-hmm. do what it did this season. Yeah. Um, I think their defense surprised a lot of people, especially later in the season. Um, but Quinn Ewers is coming back, so you got to count him in. I think their running back, who was lost for the year, will be back at some point during the season. I don't know if it's going to be week one. Uh, Oklahoma, eh, Auburn, eh. 
Is it LSU? I mean, it's not Florida. Is it LSU? Is it, it is it by is it, <laughs> by is it still Alabama by, <laughs> by default? default. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't really know. I mean, the, the conference for the first time in a while is kind of in flux. There's kind of not that natural pecking order that there has been where yeah. it's like Georgia, Alabama, LSU, and then, you know, you get your Next the A&Ms yeah. and the Auburns. And the, like that is all sort of out the window with all the change that's gone on. So I'll say Texas, but I'm not not convincing. Not convincingly. Okay. No. That's fair. That's fair. All righty. So we've talked about this a little bit today. Um, I'm going to throw four duos at you. I want you to tell me which duo of quarterback and head coach you would rather have here in Atlanta. Okay. First one, Bill Belichick and Kirk Cousins. Number two, and this is one that I heard Fricky throw out earlier, Jim Harbaugh and Justin Fields. Number three. Fricky. <laughs> number three, I didn't want to give you Vrabel and Daniels because that would be your obvious answer. Yes, it would be. So, number three, Vrabel and Russell Wilson. Oh, or number four, Ben Johnson and Jane Daniels. So it comes down to what do I hate less? <laughs> the idea of Russell Wilson here in Atlanta or the idea of them going another coordinator route? Um, and I think I'd rather have Ben Johnson than Russell Wilson. Really? So yeah. you would you would rather have Because you know why? Both of those options are cheap. Yes. Yes. They and are. They are, in my opinion, of equal risk to bringing in a Russell Wilson. Because there's no guarantee Russell Wilson has another good year. Who the hell knows? Right. He, he was one of the worst quarterbacks in the league two years ago. And this year he was better. They still benched him. I don't know why. I mean, he had like 28 that was touchdowns. For, yeah, that, that know, wasn't for performance That was reasons, for though. money. Yeah, I get yeah. it. But at the same time, like, don't you want to win football games? Um so, yeah, I think I'm going to have to go Ben Johnson and Jaden Daniels. Really? I think Jane Dan- Jane Daniels is the man, man. I'm telling you. So, you. If, if the Falcons don't get Jaden Daniels, they are going to regret. Mark my words, <laughs> January 20th, 2024. If the Falcons don't get Jaden Daniels, even if the guy that they do get does perform well, they're going to regret it. They're going to regret it. it. Okay. Yeah. He's, so. he's, the, he's the CJ Stroud of this draft class. He's just going to come in, he's going to play the position damn mm-hmm. well. Okay. And he's just going to do it. All right. I'm not mad at that. I'm not I'm, It's interesting to me that if given the choice between would you rather have Rabel or Daniels, it sounds like you would rather have Jaden Daniels. Yeah, because I really don't want Russell Wilson here. <laughs> okay. Because okay. if you don't have What if cor- it's Rabel and another cor- any other quarterback but Jaden Daniels? What if it's Vrabel and Kirk Cousins or Vrabel and Fields? No Fields. Okay. I don't, you know I don't want Fields. Okay. We've been down. What if it's Vrabel and Cousins? Yeah. So, number one. Easy. With a bullet. Okay. Sign me up. Okay. All right. All right. All right. NFC Championship game. We're going. <laughs> That's it. All right. Next question. All right. Right now, obviously, the Ravens are playing. Um, many people, I believe, have the Ravens and 49ers as the kind of Super Bowl pick. Yeah. My question to you is, which of those two teams is more likely to spoil that Super Bowl rematch? Which team is least likely to get there, the Ravens or the 49ers? Good question. Um, I See, I'm not – I'm going to say the Ravens mm-hmm. because I'm still not out on the Chiefs. Okay. okay. I think the Chiefs on any given Sunday mm-hmm. could 
beat any team. Yeah. You know, like Mahomes is still in his prime. Everyone was freaking out because the offense looked broken at certain points this season. They're going to fix that. They're going to address that in the offseason. They're going to be right where they need to be. And I think they're. I picked them to beat the Bills. So I think it'll be a Ravens Chiefs AFC championship game. Okay. And you can just just don't count the Chiefs out. I think the 49ers are the best team in football, mm-hmm. complete team, like head to toe. Okay. And I kind of think they're going to steamroll their way to the Super Bowl. So I'm going to say the Ravens, just just because Mahomes is Mahomes. I agree. I think the Ravens' road is a little bit tougher, um, having to deal with the Texans today and then obviously having to deal with either the Bills or the Chiefs. I absolutely agree. Next question. All right, so I was thinking about this the other day. Um where I've, you know, I, I do a little bit of gambling here, there, you know, make my bets. Couple shekels. And I was thinking the other day about some bad beats that I had. So my question to you is, what is your worst bad beat? Mine, I had a seven-leg parlay one time that I bet like 15 bucks on that would have made me like $1,400 or something like that, but it got screwed because the Arizona Cardinals couldn't beat the Panthers, and that was the year like the Cardinals started off 7-0. and So, Yeah. Um, so I've actually never placed a bet. You've never placed an official bet. Yeah, okay. Because w- I, sports betting wasn't legal yet. Right, right. By right, the right, time right. I left New York, mm-hmm. and it's never been legal here in Georgia. Yeah. I will say, I lost my fantasy football championship this year because um, the guy I was facing had oh, who did he have? I forget who he had, but he had somebody that on that last weekend had, like, a four-touchdown uh, game, yeah. and I just had no chance. <laughs> like, my team performed well. Like, I scored, like, in the 120s, but he had, like, 150. Yeah. And there was just no chance I was going to win. I was just... So I so I knew my fo- – and that was – it was, like, the first game of the weekend that that happened. So I knew I was losing my championship game, like, yeah. for three days straight. It was, yeah. it was not fun. <laughs> it's funny something like that happened with me with my fantasy league, but it was the uh, – it was actually this year. It was the opposite way, though. I beat uh, Dylan Matthews. He was in this league with me, and this week I think I won uh, our championship game against him. I blew him out, but, like, the very first game, C.D. Lamb had, like, 40, and that was, like, a Thursday night. So, like, Dylan kind of knew from the jump. It was like, okay, yeah, I lost. I think it might have <laughs> been C.D. Lamb, actually, yeah, now that you mention it. It was whatever game he had that monster game yeah. against. Yeah, um, And he had him starting, yeah. and I just I didn't have a shot. Yeah. All right, last question. My question here to you, and this is because I was looking at Jalen Brunson the other day, and he's balling out in New York. And put my hand up, I thought the Knicks were ridiculous for giving him that contract. I was absolutely wrong about Jalen Brunson. So my question to you, who's a player, good or bad, that you were wrong about? Desmond Ritter. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of thought Desmond Ritter was going to be like, Okay. You thought he was going like, to be good? I, 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 I kind of – I remember saying at the beginning of the season, like, I think he he'll be fine. It. Like, all he has to do is not screw it yeah, up. Like, you and can I, do it. And I think he's capable of just, like, handing the ball off and making an occasional throw. Right. And, and wow, no. was I wrong. <laughs> wow, was I wrong. All right. When we get back, back to you guys on the phones. 404-726-0929. The Falcons just completed another interview. I'll tell you who it is. I will tell you right now that it is a coordinator for a team. Are you okay with the Falcons going coordinator again? I'm not. I want no part of it. 
I want them bringing in an established head coach. But damn, are they interviewing a lot of OCs and DCs. And they just completed an interview with another one. I'll give you my reaction to who it is when we get back in your calls. 404-726-0929. Would you be okay with the Atlanta Falcons bringing in another OC or DC? I say absolutely not. What say you? Coming back in five. Chris Thomas, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. to Chris with more of the other side of the glass with Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Great game going on in Baltimore right now. It is 10-10 late in the second quarter. Houston came back to tie it up with a touchdown of their own. They were down after Lamar found the end zone. All right, so the Atlanta Falcons have completed an interview with Bill's interim offensive coordinator, Joe Brady. Interesting, because he is the guy that after the Bills let go of Ken Dorsey was basically able to get Josh Allen back on track because Josh Allen was playing like 2019, 2020 Josh Allen, where he was just throwing the ball all over the field and throwing way too many interceptions and being reckless with the football again. And then Joe Brady came in and he's basically been able to steady the ship and he's done a really good job. Here's my thing. And I want your opinion at 404-726-0929. I do not want, under any circumstances, an offensive or defensive coordinator this time around. I don't want it. Can't do it. Can't win with them. We just did this, guys. We just did it. I said it earlier in the show. We just freaking did this with Arthur Smith. The coach has to come in, get his feet wet, Learn how to lead men. Learn how to be the face of a franchise. Learn how to be the guy in charge. Learn how to conduct all of the day-to-day operations, the meetings, the media, dealing with us on 92.9 The Game. I mean, these are all things that a head coach has to do. And if you're doing it for the first time, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's more of a job for somebody that's coming into a team that is rebuilding. It's more of a job for somebody that's coming into a team that doesn't have desperate playoff expectations attached to it. So Joe Brady and Mike McDonald and Aaron Glenn and all these other guys that they're interviewing for the head coaching job, I think they could all be successful head coaches in this league. I do. Not here. Not here with the Falcons. It's not a good fit right now. If the Falcons completely collapse under the next regime and they're starting back from scratch and another three years from now, fine. Because at that point, basically everything will be on the table. You're basically restarting the franchise at that point. But right now, with the roster the way it's assembled, with Arthur Blank's age, with everything else going on right now, mm -mm, it's not for me. So what do you think? 404-726-0929. Are you okay with the Atlanta Falcons going the coordinator route again? Or do you feel like I do that somebody needs to come in and take this job that knows how to freaking do it? Whether that's Belichick or Harbaugh or Vrabel or anyone else out there, whoever's going to come in and lead the Atlanta Falcons needs to have the experience and needs to know how to set the tone and the expectations for this franchise. That's why I'm a Mike Vrabel guy, because he's going to come into this organization and know exactly what he wants to do. And he's young and he's fiery and he's energetic and he knows how to be a leader of men. And he was damn good at it in Tennessee. 
That's why I'm such a big fan of his to come in and take this job. Because he knows how to do the job. I'm sorry, but Joe Brady would come in here, and he's a complete neophyte. He doesn't know how to do the job. He's not somebody that's going to come in here and be able to snap his fingers and know how to do everything that a head coach needs to do. That's just not something I'm interested in right now. There's a lot of good candidates out there. This is one of probably the strongest candidate pools we've seen in terms of guys just being ready to go. But I'm just not into that move right now. I would prefer Belichick, honestly. As much as I don't want Belichick unless he comes with Kirk Cousins, I would prefer Belichick just for the sheer fact that he knows what he's doing. You're getting somebody in here with gravitas, with weight behind their decision-making. Arthur Smith clearly was overwhelmed by the situation towards the end of this season. It was playoffs or bust, and it was bust. That's the problem. That's the problem that comes with bringing in an OC or a DC. And also, question, just throwing this out there, something that a listener chimed in on, and when we had Joe Patrick on, I talked about as well, where is Ryan Nielsen in all this? Do they really not think he's even worth giving an interview to? What the heck's going on there? Feels like something's up behind the scenes. So 404-726-0929. Dom, what do you think? Are you like me? Do you not want an OC or a DC, or are you fine with it? So I was actually going to give a little bit of pushback and, and use a, an argument that you used earlier for a different conversation okay. where you said just because, you know, quarterback at OSU before hasn't been good doesn't mean you, do, you don't draft C.J. Stroud, right? That's something that we talked about with Connor Riley earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think just because you've missed on offensive coordinators or going with coordinators in general for the head coaching position means that you should just completely take it off your board. However, I do think it would be wise to put a guy that has uh, former head coaching experience, like to give those guys priority, essentially. I, I, I don't think I, I don't disagree with you there. I do think you should leave all options on the table. But I do agree that priority needs to go to guys that have done this stuff before. Not this time. Not this time. I just, I can't, I can't do it again. I mean. I can't do it again, here's Dom. The, here's the only thing, though. Because, like, these, if it, but it, these, But these guys, like. They look ha- at the Houston Texans. Yeah, okay, but. They have a quarterback. But. You could get your quarterback you, that's, this, you, this can't, you can't just say they have a quarterback and then continue your statement. That is a humongous reason why they're having success. Yes. If they had, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, the guy that Davis Mike Mills. Davis Mills, the guy yes. that Mike Pell for some reason <laughs> thought was going to be an NFL quarterback. <laughs> um, Davis Mills and his gigantic long neck in their quarterback. If you th- if you thought that he was going to be in there and do the job with D'Amico Ryan's, eh, no, it's because they have C.J. Stroud, and I get it. I guess. Like Dom asked me earlier in the, in the six-pack, like, I'd rather have Ben Johnson and Jane Daniels, but it's because of Jane Daniels, not because of Ben Johnson. I'd rather have Mike Vrabel and Jaden Daniels over that every day of the week and twice on Sunday because that's the best option for this team right now. It just is. To go in there and hire another coordinator who's never done it before, to have to learn how to be a head coach on the fly with a playoff team that has gigantic expectations attached to it, I just don't want any part of that right now. It just doesn't seem like a winning formula. 404-726-0929. We got uh, Cheyenne in Forest Park. Cheyenne, you're in the game. Yeah. 
Hello? Yes, sir. How are you doing? What's up, man? All right. You, 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 you're interested in a new head coach. Bill Belichick and the Tennessee ex-coach, they are not the answer. You don't need to bring Ryan Tannehill here to do nothing. You're not going to win with him. So who's your guy? He couldn't win with Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee. Okay, so who's your guy? He, he hung on to Ryan Tannehill. Uh, we're not another Cheyenne, we're not talking about Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill's not in the mix. Who's your guy? Yeah, he's gonna be who? in the mix if you bring that coach here. No way. Why? Says who? What are you talking about? Okay, Cheyenne, I gotta let you go. No, 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 no. We talked about l- bringing luggage and stuff. Vrabel isn't yeah, bringing Vrabel, Ryan Tannehill. That's not Vrabel, in his duffel bag. Vrabel, hey, guys. Hey, <clears throat> Cheyenne, I love you. Call back anytime. But Mike Vrabel benched Ryan Tannehill. For Will Levis, yeah. For Will <laughs> Levis, who then went out and beat the Atlanta Falcons. He's not bringing Ryan Tannehill here with him. And also, by the way, with Ryan Tannehill, did lead the Tennessee Titans to an, so an AFC, AFC Conference title game, game, but yeah, so. but that, but no, <laughs> like you're you were speaking about that as if it was like a factual right, statement, like a as given. if it's like, well, <laughs> no. Mike Vrabel can't come here because then that means Ryan Tannehill is going to be your quarterback. No, sorry, says who? At best, maybe he'll be the backup. At best, I mean, fine, but, no. <laughs> but I don't want him seeing the field. Cameron, you're in the game, Cameron. Hey, um, how's everybody doing? What's up, Cameron? Nothing much. I my take on it, um, I feel we should go for like, you know, be a Belichick because like like you all like I'm tired of like doing offensive coaches, defensive coordinators. Like it is it's wild to me now. I know Bill Belichick had a a couple rough years now, but I feel like if cuz we have receivers, running backs. We have a decent team except for quarterback. But I feel like he can come here and, like, make some type of change. And from what I was looking at earlier, if he come, I feel like, you know, Kirk Cousins may come along with him. So you never know, you know, what it may be. But I'm just getting tired of, you know, offensive, defensive coordinator. Yeah, appreciate the phone call. Good point. That's how I feel. And it's true. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's the thing. That's all the Falcons do. Go back and look at their head coaching history. They bring in coordinators. They bring in guys who have little to no head coaching experience. That's been the direction this franchise has gone over and over and over again. Sometimes it works. Dan Quinn. Sometimes it doesn't work. Arthur Smith. For me, it's time to break the mold. You need to bring in a guy with experience. No more messing around. Arthur Blank is in his 80s. He needs to win right now. He doesn't have time for a new head coach to come in and have three more years to develop and build his culture and build flowery branch and change the offense and change the defense and learn how to do all that stuff on the fly and bring in all these new coordinators. No, 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 no. 404-726-0929. Let's squeeze in one more before the break here. Hank, you're in the game. Hank. Yes. Can you hear me okay? Gotcha, Hank. What's up? Okay. Um, I kind of did the math and did the homework. And I think I have the absolute perfect winning combination. Okay. Okay. Yep. Um, if we if we do Belichick as the coach, okay, bring Vrabel in as the defensive coordinator for Belichick, okay, then Vrabel can take over in a couple of years from Belichick once Belichick gets everything in place. Now let me ask we you a question. Put- I'll let you finish. Let me ask you a question. 
Why would Vrabel agree to do that when he can get a head coaching job right now? Because of the fact that he can go ahead and get a winning team in place with Belichick. But what if he, he goes to the what if Vrabel goes to the Chargers and he has Justin Herbert ready to go? Well, that's true, but the thing is is he doesn't have the the I don't believe the Chargers are an absolute win ready team yet. Now hear hear me out, hear me out. I got you. Um, go so ahead. So if we if we if we did Vrabel, okay, the quarterback, we need to get Kirk Cousins. And I'll tell you why, because we need someone in there that's a veteran. So if we get Kirk Cousins in there, then what we need to do is load up in free agency on our defense, the trenches, the edge. And then our first round draft pick, we trade up and if it's possible, go ahead and get Marvin Harrison. And the reason why I say that is because if you've got Harrison and you've got London on the outside, you've got Pitts in the middle, you've got Bajon a running back, and you've already built up your trenches, there's no way, there's no way that the team cannot be successful. All right, I appreciate the phone call. Uh, I appreciate the time you took to construct that plan. Yeah. Um, but I – we operate in the real world. Yeah, I don't. Unfortunately, I don't think that <laughs> all of those bullet points There's, you laid out. I don't think any one of them is actually like realistic to yeah, happen. Just, the, I just to most, put it bluntly. I don't. The wanna, most realistic thing was Belichick being the head. Yeah, coach. I don't want to sound mean, but I just. Rabel's not taking a coordinator job. He's going to be a head. No, coach No, he's going to be a head coach. And also, let me just say this: um, hide your kids, hide your wife. If the Atlanta Falcons select another <laughs> offensive Tra- weapon, no, 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 trade, trade up, up to, to get select another, another offensive weapon. weapon in a top five pick. When guys like Dallas yeah. Turner and yeah, Jared Verse, Jared and Verse are like out there, and you could trade for a cornerback. I mean, listen, pitchforks on Peachtree. That's exactly what would exactly. happen if the Falcons exactly. take another. So I appreciate the phone call, appreciate the thought, but uh, just ain't happening. All right, when we get back. Dom and I are going to preview these games. We've got a really good one going on now that's about to hit halftime. We'll give you our thoughts on the first half and what we expect. And then also, what's going to happen in the other three games? You want to know? We'll give you winners next on Sports Radio 929 The Game. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.